1: Does your life reflect the fact that you're a Christian? That's the question we'll ask and answer today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, greetings and welcome to today's broadcast. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Our time today returns us to Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45. It's there that we find the question, what does the fruit you bear tell about you? It's that question we hope to answer today from God's Word. Please join us with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner.
0: If a person is rightly Related to Christ as a true disciple. He is bearing fruit. More fruit. Much fruit. There will be an increase in the fruit he bears so that he looks more like a Christian today than he did in the past. His fruit bearing increases. Sometimes he may like, feel like he's much of a Christian and that his fruit is increasing. But you know, one thing you must learn is that the better Christian you become, the worse you may very well feel, and the guiltier you feel about things because the closer you stand to the light, the more blemishes you're going to see. The closer you get to the Lord Jesus Christ, the more you are going to compare yourself to Him, and the more sin you're going to see in your life. You may be bearing more fruit, such as humbleness and a brokenness of spirit, because you are so close to the Lord Jesus Christ. So the feeling of dissatisfaction with self may increase, but the fruit, the Christ-likeness, the doing of the will of God will become more obvious to others as the years go on and you draw closer. Not only as you stay close to God, as you abide in Him and Him in you, Do you bear fruit? But notice verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, or he prunes it. Now, if you confess to be connected to Christ, and you are not bearing fruit, it says right here, he's going to cut you away. But if you're really connected to Christ and you are bearing fruit, it says he's going to cut you also. Every branch that doesn't bear fruit, he is going to cut off and throw into the fire because it is proof that you were never really connected to the vine at all. You just thought you were. But every branch that is bearing fruit, he is going to prune Why? So that you'll bear even more fruit. God loves you and I so much and wants us to bear fruit that he is going to help us by being a faithful husbandman and vine dresser, And he's going to prune our lives. Now pruning doesn't feel so good, does it? God prunes away those areas of your life that draw you away from him. He'll cut them away. You can make a lot of money and have a nice car and a home. and God will come along and he will cut it away. Maybe because you had become puffed up and thinking you're pretty good stuff. Look at what I've done. Or maybe you had become greedy and and, uh, were spending all God had given you on yourself. Instead of advancing his kingdom. You're more interested in building your own little kingdom and what you could accumulate for yourself. You can make grand-sounding professions beloved. You can look and do on the outside what every Christian is supposed to do. But if you are not bearing the fruit that God wants you to bear in your life, and it is not coming from your heart, he'll cut you off and throw you into the fire. Now, what is the fruit here? Well, let's go back to John 15, verse 7. If ye buy it in me, and my words abide in ye, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Answered prayer, beloved, is fruit. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue in my love. Abiding in his love and being as loving as Christ is the fruit that we are to bear. These things I have spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Another fruit is that we live joyful lives, content with the will of God. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends." You are my friends, he said. If you do what I command you, loving other people and being willing to sacrifice your life for the brethren, obeying what the Lord Jesus Christ commands you. These are the fruits that Jesus looks for. By their fruits you shall know them. If these fruits are not there, beloved, then your life is going to shrivel up and die and be cast into the fire. But if these things are there, Although not perfectly, it's not because of you. Don't you dare take credit for it. It is because you had an evil heart and God in his grace changed it into a good heart. And though you were a bad diseased tree, God changed your diseased heart and made it good and pure and wholesome. And now you are able to produce good fruit. But if you do produce any good fruit at all for God, it is simply because God has been a faithful gardener in your life. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, verse 22. Another very familiar verse. In fact, many of you may have been thinking about this as I'm preaching. Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Here is the fruit. The fruit or virtues taken right out of the life of Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one that produces these things within us, beloved. We cannot do this in and of ourselves. He has to give us the power to do it. Is there any love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control in your life? Are you willing to be crucified for Christ and lay aside all claims on yourself? Are you walking by the rule of the Spirit, depending upon Him to give you the strength to be the Christian He has called you to be? Or are you depending on yourself? These are the fruit that will show up in the life of the Christian. Are they in you? Turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 7. Ephesians 5, verse 7. Be ye not partakers with them. For ye were sometimes in the darkness, but now are ye in the light, are ye light in the Lord. You see, there has been a great transformation in your life. And he says, walk as children of the light for the fruit of the Spirit, or the light is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful work of darkness, but rather reprove them. You see, if this transformation has taken place in your life, from being darkness and becoming light, then there are certain things that will affect your behavior. And you are going to be good, righteous, and faithful. Now what does it mean to be good? Well, just think of the various synonyms, such as kindness, or generous with your time and your energy and your life, helping other people, That's goodness. And righteousness? Wanting to believe whatever the Bible says to believe. Wanting to live however the Bible says to live. Wanting to do every day whatever the Bible says to do. Faithfulness? God is faithful to you, giving you everything you need to live a life unto Him. And you want to be faithful to Him. You want to be obedient to every word that proceeds from His mouth. And the faithful... And then to be faithful to other people in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there real goodness, kindness, generosity? Is there righteousness in you? Being willing to do whatever the Bible says, no matter if it is inconvenient for you or not. And faithfulness. Being faithful to every vow you have ever given. Just think of all the vows you have made in your life. Someone who is a disciple of Christ is someone who is bearing the fruit of faithfulness in their vows. How about your marriage vows as one example? I vow before God and these witnesses to be your faithful and loving husband. To cherish you, to nourish you. I ask you, brothers, does your wife feel cherished and nourished? Or is she browbeaten or perhaps neglected? How about the vows you wives took? I promise to love you and obey you and to be submissive. Has your life been one of submission and loving obedience? Or do you maneuver situations for your good and manipulate your husband? Now, beloved, I could mention many more vows in our lives. But I hope you get the point here. The fruit that distinguishes us as Christians is faithfulness, righteousness, and goodness. i turn to Philippians chapter 1. Paul is struggling with himself. He doesn't know what he wants to live, whether he wants to live or die. And finally he says, well, I better live because it's better for you. But I would rather be with Jesus. And so then he says, in verse 21, Philippians 1, 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose, I what not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Paul says... I really have to wrestle with this thing. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain more of Christ. I know if I die, it will be better for me, for I will gain more of Him. But I know if I stay here, I will be able to form more useful, fruitful labor among you. Therefore, if it is God's will, I'll just stay here for a little while longer. Well, I don't think any of us will ever have the insight that Paul had as to when our time to die will come. But his point is, what is the one thing that shows you are a true disciple? I want to accomplish fruitful labor in the lives of those who love God. I don't want to count for something in the lives of my brothers and sisters. I want to minister. How many of us live solitary, isolated lives by ourselves or with our families, totally unrelated to anyone else in the church? And we call that living the Christian life. A true disciple of Christ is someone who wants to bear fruit and does bear fruit because a good tree bears fruit and the true character of someone is shown in his behavior and that fruit is a fruitful ministry among his brothers and sisters in the church. If there is anyone outside of yourself, your spouse and your children, that you are trying to minister to, beloved, a Christian is someone who is always giving of himself to encourage other Christians. That is a part of our fruit. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 1. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven whereof you heard before the word of the truth of the gospel which is come unto you as it is into all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. Paul says one thing I praise God for is that the gospel is advancing throughout the world. That nothing can hold it back. That it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing over the globe. Just as I have been bearing fruit and increasing in you since the day you heard and first began to understand the grace of God. Now I ask you has the gospel of God's sovereign grace revealed in Jesus Christ, born fruit, advanced and increased in your life, so that you are now more knowledgeable of it, you embrace it more tightly, you love it more deeply, you have more understanding of it, and it has had a bigger impact on your life, and has done so more increasingly in your life, since you first heard it, and were taught of the grace of the God and truth? In other words... When you hear the gospel of sovereign grace, does it still thrill you? When you hear sermons about the sovereign grace of God revealed in Jesus Christ to undeserved sinners, how does it affect you? One of the most dangerous things that can happen to a person who goes to a church like ours is to become gospel-hardened when the same truths at one time moved you so much you could hardly stay still in your seat. Remember when you left that church that preached a compromised gospel. And you came to Reformed Heritage Church or some other Reformed church. And you heard the gospel of sovereign grace for the first time. And God opened your heart to it. Do you remember what it did to you? Remember how you couldn't get enough of it. It just shook you to the very core of your being. And you loved it and praised God for it. And found yourself being very tender toward God. Beloved, how long has it been? Have you gotten used to it have you heard it so much now that you've become even dissatisfied with reformed heritage church and do you think you should possibly go find another church that can stimulate you more i pray that's not so the bible says that one of the fruits we bear is that the gospel of christ bears fruit in us increases within us, advances in us. We love it more. We have more understanding of it. It affects us more than the day we first grasped it. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit. Are you gospel-hardened? Let me tell you why it's a risky thing to be gospel-hardened. Two reasons. First of all, when you are gospel-hardened and you're not saved, you are then in a state in which God may just let you go to hell in peace and never bother your conscience again. Or if you are a Christian and you are gospel-hardened, that means God is going to have to cut the old dry twigs out of your life. And it doesn't feel very good when God goes to pruning his vineyard. So, if your heart has been hardened to the gospel you better deal with it quickly because by their fruit you shall know them what kind of behavior are you manifesting every day in your life a good tree will produce good fruit a bad tree will never produce good fruit you're not going to be perfect until you die but there are, these, are there these fruits in your life? And one final word. The Bible says you should be able to see this fruit in your brothers and sisters, and they should be able to see it in you. So let me give you some quick advice on fruit inspection. It's very important to remember that these parables about, by their fruit you shall know them, come right on the hills of twigs and eyes and logs and eyes and being hyperjudgmental and quick to judge. Now, some of the words of advice that I'm going to give you come from Martin Lloyd-Jones and they are very, very practical for us. When it comes to looking for fruit, trying to evaluate for yourself whether someone is a Christian, remember these things. First of all, be patient. Sometimes we have to wait a while before we can see true and clear evidence of faith and repentance in a person. God says everything, God sees everything from the beginning. But sometimes we are very slow to see and manifest these things, even in our own lives. So don't be hasty. Be patient. When it comes to evaluating other people for the sake of knowing how to minister to others and detecting if there is any real life there, You must be patient with them. Second, be careful that you do not make the mistake, do not mistake the real thing for that which looks like true Christianity, but which is in reality a mere sham with only outward appearances. Be careful that what you think is a real Christian fruit in a person's life is not carefully formed imitation of the real thing. Why do I say that? Because this is important, very important for you who are single and you're looking for a spouse as well as you fathers who are obligated to evaluate that future spouse. When you find someone that you hope is a Christian and you convince yourself he or she is a Christian, be careful that you don't make the mistake, the artific- don't mistake the artificial for the real thing. Third, Be discriminating as you examine the fruit in a person's life. Bear this element of subtlety in your mind. There are types of life which can closely simulate Christianity. And they are obviously the most dangerous of all. Some people can really look like a Christian. So you've got to have discernment. We've had a few here at RHC that after observing them for a while, we have either asked them to leave or after questioning some of their actions or attitudes, they have decided not to return. Beloved, the session must be discerning for your protection. But so must you. Fourth, if anyone, and this is the most important, if anyone professes to be a Christian, look for evidence of the Beatitudes in their life. The real disciple is going to be poor in spirit. He's not going to be full of self-esteem. He's going to be conscious of his poverty of spirit apart from Christ. He's going to mourn over his poverty of spirit. He's going to be meek and teachable. He's going to hunger and thirst after righteousness. He's going to be a peacemaker. Be pure in heart. Make sure the standard you use to evaluate other people is the word of God and not your own making. Look For the fruit of the Spirit in his life, joy, faith, gentleness, long-suffering, and above all things, you be humble, realizing you are not infallible in your judgment. You may think someone is not a Christian, and he may well be. You may think someone is a Christian and he may not be. Be humble, be charitable, be patient. Don't be like the Pharisees being offended by the twig in someone's eyes when you aren't even dealing with a log that is in your own eye. And remember, however fallible our judgment may be, God is the judge and He is never deceived. Every tree, therefore, which does not bring forth that which is pleasing to God is cut down and cast into the fire. Beloved, think about that in your own life. Examine yourselves. You may deceive the rest of us. And you may have played so many games with your conscience that you have even deceived yourself into believing everything's all right. But I assure you, You have not deceived the judge of heaven and earth. Examine your heart. For every tree which does not bring forth good fruit is cast into the fire. What does the fruit you bear tell about you?
1: Eight six six five six zero seven is our phone number, 408 You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, Post Mailbox, 402